Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Too many believers have been walking in fear of their testimony. And your testimony is power. Your testimony is glory. I don't care how shameful it is. I don't care how horrible it is. Yes, you learn to discern. You learn how to say things. If they called you blah, 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 blah in the streets, you're not going to come and say it here. But you could say, you know, other things. You don't need to name the people that wounded you. You could simply say, I was abused. I was molested. I was kicked out of a church. You don't have to stand here and say, well, pastor, so-and-so, and church, so-and-so, and so-and-so. No, it's not about that. It's about what God was doing in the spirit. The whole point of the testimony is not the pain, but the redemption of the pain, the restoration. It's not the sin. You could talk about it, but you should also learn to discern how much, how much I should say, how much I should share, right? But it's about just simply sharing. What God's done. Learning. Learning your crowd. A public, I used to be a public speaker. So a public speaker must always know his audience. There's a places, there's cultures, there's traditions that you might go into and you want to respect. Not because of fear, right? But you go and because you want to, you, if you honor people, they're going to open up their ears. That's it. It doesn't mean you agree. It doesn't mean you're doing what they're doing. It simply means I want your attention. You want somebody's attention? Take them out to eat. And buy them the meal. And stuff them with food. And as they're eating, you get to speak. Trust me, it's my best number one trick. The Lord taught me. The Lord said, Abraham, come on. I prepare a meal for you. And I'm like, mm, mm, this, this bread is so sweet, Lord. And this one is so good. And I'm just eating. And he's like, the plans that I have for you are not to hurt. And not to harm you. And I'm like, wow. And now you do the same thing with people. You take them out to eat, let them eat. And as they're eating, you're just like, oh, let me tell you about the glory of the Lord. And he took it. There's something about um, eating and hearing that goes together. It goes together very well. We had a lady when we went to Shiloh Farms. And uh, she released a glorious word over me. And then she comes over with a little plate of baked apples and she's like here let me feed you some apples I'm like why she goes well in the Jewish culture every time you get a, a good word you seal it with honey you seal it with something sweet so as you're savoring that apple so guess what happens every time I taste baked apples now I remember the word that he loves me you know so you want to bless somebody take them to eat something good and then bless, buy them the plate of food. You know that real fasting is not that you starve yourself. Read your Bible. Real fasting is I'm not going to eat so you could eat. It's not, well, I'm not going to eat so I'm going to put it in the fridge and put it away so I could eat it later. That's not real fasting. Read your Bible. It's I'm not eating, but I know you're hungry. So here you go. It means I don't want you to pray for me. Because I'm going to pray for you. It's what you were expecting to receive to nourish you. You're pouring it into somebody else. And then God goes, oh, my child has learned. You get more. And then you just don't keep it to yourself. Give it out. And then he gives you more. And then you give it out. And he gives you more. You want to talk about abundance? Churches use this about money. I'm talking to you about joy. I'm talking to you about peace. I'm talking about love and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. I'm talking about anointing. I'm talking about Holy Ghost and power. I'm talking about the fire of God. You cannot experience fire and keep it shut down. It don't work. Ask Jeremiah. He said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Paul said, I cannot stop speaking about the things I've seen and the things that I've heard. David's like, I'll shout it from the rooftops. Something happens when you experience the goodness. Something happens. So with Testify, we're, we're going to like lead by example. That's what I'm telling you about creative. That's why I'm going. It's not because so you could show, see me do it. I don't want credit for doing it. I want to encourage my people. So many pastors tell their churches what to do. They don't do it. 
Well, you should evangelize, but you never see the pastor evangelizing. You should go to the streets, but you never see the pastor in the streets. No. We're raising a brand new to people, a brand new breed of people that are walking according to the will of God. Because Jesus came and walked through the darkness to lead the way so we could line up behind Jesus and we march. And the pastors line behind and the sheep line behind and then all together we go. Together. Right? So he's encouraging you guys. You think you're useless. You think you don't have a story, but I am telling you, try it out. God is raising people like Jeremy, people like Katie, people like Heather that are willing to get up and go. They're being leaders. They're building something so the rest of the church can go, okay, we'll try it. And you could jump around. You don't have to do the same thing every week. There's so many opportunities for you to release. Maybe not on a pulpit, but on someone's living room. Maybe not on an altar, but maybe in a basketball game. Maybe you could lay hands on one of those kids. Maybe you need a hug, and this is the perfect time where you could hug. This is all testimony. This is what makes it so real. So going back to this series about testify, there is power in our testimony. So we're, we're trying this system out, right? Um, I got it right here, which is where we speak about our worst, then we speak about God's best. The culmination, what happened, right? And then the ask. And we'll, we'll kind of go through that as just to give you an idea. Sometimes you're going to be in the streets. You don't have 30 minutes. You don't have an hour. Maybe in church, the preacher has to preach for like 30, 40, 50 minutes, whatever. And they're, they're only giving you five minutes to testify. I know before I was like, oh, I'm not going to testify. They're not going to give me enough time that I won't testify. But that's a wrong mentality too. You know what? Because in those five minutes, you could release glory. In one minute, you could release glory. One day for God is like a thousand years. So what can a minute, what can five minutes, what can ten minutes do? If we learn to release. And okay, this is my point. This is my purpose. And I'm probably the wrong person to give this example. Because I, when I take off, I can't even give announcements for a day in my life. But when it's about testimony time... We're going for hours, right? But just realizing, and I have to realize that too. Sometimes I'm in the glory, but I realize I'm like, oh, not everybody's at that place. So I got to, because of love, I lower myself. Okay, let me explain this. Interpretation is to explain it. All these things that we do is to explain it so everybody little by little could be released into the portals of glory. Amen? So what we're doing is this week, I'll share my testimony, my words. You guys know my testimony, but we're going again. I don't mind sharing it over. I mean, I have so many, right? Like, people think my testimony is one thing. Come on. That God just saved you from one thing? You're lying if you say, oh, yeah, this was my issue. No, you have so many issues, you didn't even count them all. You were counting one. Everybody goes, I have one struggle. I have one issue, liars. <laughs> like every, every time I go to church and I hear the preachers like, I came to the Lord because I had this one struggle. You only had one struggle, bro. That struggle is called lying. That's the one struggle you got because you lying. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. We all got all sorts of issues. And the moment you let go of one issue, you're going to go back home. By the time I leave church today and I get home, I'm going to be like, oh, God, I got another issue right now. Right, Rhonda? They just keep popping like popcorn. I'm like, get the issues out. He's like, the issues are forming you. <laughs> they're developing your character and you don't see it. You see them as issues, but they're really blessings because they're ding, 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 ding. They're just hammering you into perfect shape. <laughs> Praise God, I can say that. <laughs> watch, me fight. watch me in two hours like, ah, God, I got to go through this. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's easier in the glory. <laughs> but we got to go back to real life for a moment. <laughs> Praise God. So we give the testimony. The worst. And when you give your testimony, you don't have to give them all. Right? I give them all, so don't use me as an example. <laughs> but you pick one. You share that. This is the worst. This is the situation. My worst. And then God, how God presented his best. And you witness from that place. When you evangelize the street, you see somebody broken, you see somebody depressed, you see somebody addicted. Hey, I get you. Because this was my worst. And this was God's best. He's going to do it with you. 
And then you prophesy. And then you pray. And you could do it like that. You know, I know, I know you're busy. I know you got to go. But let me tell you something. He's about to do it because he did it with me. This was my worst. This was God's best. It's coming for you next. And we're like, whoa, boldness. And it's beautiful. And it's powerful. So let's go to my family's day. I, I, I really was like, Lord, what testimony am I going to give? He's like, give them the testimony of your worst. See, I was born and raised in the church. Parents divorced, abandoned by my mom, molested and abused by four, called horrible names throughout my childhood that I won't say because, you know, we're in church. And it's going to be recorded, and I want to honor people there. Here, I know I can say it. You got to be like, yeah, I'll give it. But horrible names, you know, maybe what a lot of you or other people you know have called gay people when you saw them in the streets, ugh, F-A-G, homo. Family telling me I'm going to grow up to be a drug addict. I'm not going to be anything but like my cousins. Your mom didn't love you. Your mom left you. I uh, was being bullied. I got jumped at the end of 11. I was a tiny kid because I played the flute and I played trombone. I'm walking home with my flute and my trombone. Out of nowhere, a gang of like 20 black guys just beat me up for no reason whatsoever. The, the worst, I'm giving you all the worst. Just line it up. My dad used to leave me with a babysitter. My babysitter would molest me, have me in a basement laying on, on an ice-cold floor, freezing, sticking me in a freezer. I should have been dead, but I'm alive. Yeah, this was my life. Religion had me so bound. I used to go to church at the age of 14 and cry because I was abused, but I didn't know who to tell in church that I was abused. So all my teenage years, I was swallowing this knot up. And I would go to church and feel God and just weep. And nobody would understand why this 14-year-old kid in church is crying so much. And the moment a leader spoke and said, God, show me what he's going through, the pastor said, you'll be quiet and you won't say such a thing. So then that 14-year-old had to go through that journey all by himself and find out if God loved him or not. Because everything he was hearing from the altar was, God hates this and God hates that and God hates this. And if you're this, you got to get out of this church. I was raised holiness Pentecostal. So I just saw people leaving church because there were certain ways. Or if they sinned, they'll get called from, hey, you so-and-so. You did this and you did that. Now nobody in church can talk to you. You got to sit in the back of the church. And they put a dunce cap on your hat. Sit back there. They didn't literally put a dunce cap, but that's kind of the same attitude. Nobody can greet you. You cannot go on the church outings. You cannot go on the youth outings. You're just going to come to church and sit there until you're restored. How do you get restored when people are not taking the time to restore you? I have no idea because it cannot happen. See, Jesus came to restore me. And that means restore means it took his action to put me in a place of wholeness. And it's going to take your actions to put broken people in their place of wholeness. This is the worst. Going through all that trauma, finally at the age of 19, 1997, July 3rd, on my birthday, 1997, I'm going to go to college. I'm happy. I think I'm going to be celebrated by my church. The church says, give us your membership. Give us the treasury books because I used to be youth treasurer. Give us the choir books. You're no longer going to be in a choir. You're no longer going to be a member. You're going to college. They're going to open your mind. It's of the devil so you won't be an active member of this church. 19 years old when all I knew was church. And my heart broke. And then the people in the church, don't talk to him. He's a sinner. Just because I was going to college. You know? And it crushed. And I'm not saying, and all of this, please, all of this has been forgiven. He's all has been redeemed. But I got to give you the worst. Because I'm about to give you the best. And the best is going to be the best. The best is going to be so good, you're going to blow out in joy. I promise. Because I blew up in joy. So then I end up, I end up in college. And everything, I, I, then I don't have no church friends no more. So I start living like the world. So then the friends that came by was a friend that was into witchcraft, which I didn't believe. My mom's like, that girl's a witch. I'm like, oh, you're always talking about people. Because that's what Pentecostals do. You talk about people. You're talking about my friends. But no, that's going to be my friend. You know what? My mom was telling me the truth. My mama was telling me the truth, and I didn't want to believe it. I have been so tainted with lies 
that my best friend became a witch, and I didn't even believe it. And all of a sudden, I was in front of the club in New York City smoking a cigarette. The same night, I had a 40 in my hand. The same night, I went and slept around for the very first time. Oh, yeah, let me show you. This is how you smoke. This is how you drink. This is how you sleep around. This is how you do this. Now, come back next Friday, and we'll do it all over again. Oh, yeah, that person that I slept with is going to love me. I get back to the club that next Friday, and the person that I slept with was already hooking up with somebody else. So then I went, and I went, and I hooked up with somebody else. And then the following week I came, and I thought that person was going to be with, waiting for me at the club, and they were already hooking up with somebody else. So then I went, and I hooked up with somebody else. And then by the time I was done, I said, screw it, I'm just going to go to the club, and I'm going to just hook up with 10 people back to back to back to back to back to back to back. So this pure kid that was raised in church knowing the presence of God now is jumping around like a beanbag. Jumping around going crazy. Not knowing the mess he's getting himself into. Not knowing the wickedness and the sin that's engulfing his very body. Because then you become addicted to the darkness. And then you become a, a, a sexual glutton. Where you're not satisfied, you're insatiable, and you're looking and looking and looking and looking, but nobody can satisfy the very place that belongs to God. Because that empty void was not going to be filled with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with drinking, with party, with dancing. Nothing could fill it. But the people that thought you could fill it were looking at me and going, shame on you. They would see me at the mall and walk the other way. And to this day, I go to New Jersey, and this is exactly what happens to me. I still show up in New Jersey like, hey, guys, I just want to share Jesus. And they walk away. I just went to New Jersey in December. I saw like three or four friends, and none of them are from church. All my old friends from church or people I was raised with, nobody, not even family. Not even family made time to see me. I was in New York for 10 days. You want to talk about going through depression? the Lord says, don't come back over here. This is really what happens. So even though I'm loved here, when I go there, I'm not loved there. And I boldly say it because I'm not blind. I'm not resentful. I just know where I'm received and I know where I'm rejected. And there's no problem in recognizing when you don't belong somewhere. It's no problem knowing, you know what, all you do is abuse me, it's over. I'm moving on. It could be family, but there's a time you're going to have to say, I'm not going to talk to you until I'm fully healed, until I'm fully restored, until I fully experience joy and peace. I cannot come around you because you're adding to my pain. You're adding to my burden. Allow Jesus to heal you first before you go healing. I'm telling you, I had to learn to do that. And again, this is just simply the worst because I'm about to give you the best. Go to church, go to church, I mean, start serving God. In 1998, in one year, from July 3rd to around April of 1998, my life became chaos. 19 years old, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was hooking up, I didn't even know what I was doing. But putting myself through turmoil, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the night, in the morning really, in the train, drunk. Just trying to meet people, trying to see who's going to love me. Walking the streets. That was me. But the Lord decided to meet me in that place. Moved to Florida thinking my life was going to be over. Get a phone call from the U.S. Health Department in 1997, at the end of 97. You've slept with somebody that tested H that positive for HIV. You need to get tested. And I was like, no. I'm suicidal. I'm ready to end my life. If I find out that I'm sick, I'm killing myself. I can't do this. This lady will call and call. It was in turmoil. She kept calling me. I'm like this. I'm like, stop calling me. If I'm going to die, I'm just going to die. Leave me alone. I'm in a really dark place. So I moved to Florida to escape from my life in 1998. Just going to get away. I came to Florida on vacation. God spoke to me through the TV. I was in my mom's trailer in Brooksville, Florida, in the middle of nowhere. That was like dirt roads everywhere. Why would I even go on vacation to a dirt road? Who knows? That's what you do when you're young. I'm in the middle of nowhere in the trailer, watching and then like flip, 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 flip. Young man, you just flip to this channel. I looked at the remote control. He goes, yes, I'm talking to you. You just looked at the remote control. I'm like, no way, this is not happening. He was like, you used to serve the Lord. 
you were raised in church and now you find yourself like you're dying. You find yourself so far from God. The Lord is calling you back. I drop in the middle of the living room crying. My family's like, what is wrong with it? I'm like, Jesus, please save me. Help me. On the Greyhound, I'm going up back home. I say to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to go to Florida, let that case in court that I have be resolved. I want the letter at home. I didn't have no money. I say, Lord, I don't even know how I'm going to eat in this bus. I fall asleep. I open my eyes, and there was $50 at my feet. That's what God did for me when I didn't know him. That's what God did for me when I was in the middle of death and sin. Do you think he'll leave me now? If he did it, then he'll do it again. And now it's lovelier. Now I know him by name. And I got home and my mom literally, I remember when I opened the doors, I looked at the kitchen and my mom goes, look what's here. I was like, what is that? She goes, open it up. When I opened it up, it was the, the, the letter from the lawyer. Your case has been resolved. Come pick up the check. I was like, I'm moving to Florida. You give, I was 19 years old, about to turn 20, and I get a almost $10,000 check. I'm like, I'm leaving. Tell my friend, the girl that was doing witchcraft, which I didn't want to believe she did witchcraft until I told her that I accepted Jesus in my heart. You did what? Bleep, 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 You need to choose Jesus or me. My what a bleep, bleep. And I go, what? Bleep, 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 You know, I just got saved. Don't blame me. I'm like, are you crazy? How are you going to tell me to choo choose between you and Jesus? Are you mm -mm -mm crazy? That doesn't even make sense. Why are you, what are you, a human being tell me to choose between them and Jesus? What our friendship is over. I'm like, whoa, that went well. I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened. I was watching TV. What? And then the darkness started striking me. My own friends from the streets were sending witches towards me, really bad stuff, where I was literally seeing demons to kill myself. The demons were in my room, strangling me, telling me, kill yourself. They even showed me in the corner of my dorm, and I was hanging there. He said, you might as well do it. You might as well end your life, because God is never going to use a bleepity bleep like you. God will never use you. God will never love you. And I was in my room in my dorm crying. And I was trying to remember Psalm 23, and I could not remember it. And I was like, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't remember it. The Lord is my shepherd. And I was rocking back. I was like, and I saw it right there. And I couldn't, and, and, and a peace came over me. I fell asleep. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go. I don't know if you ever suffered from anxiety, but I suffered from anxiety. I suffered from suicide, depression, and death. And I used to, well, you know how you feel the Holy Ghost and you're like, mm, it feels so good. Yeah, I used to feel exactly the opposite. Oh, it feels so bad. I used to sit on the bus and just go, I feel death inside of me. I'm going to die because death is inside of me. That was me at 19 years old. But it's not me at 44. Okay? This is my testimony. And I thought I was going to die. And I went home, and, and these guys were telling me, God will never use an FAG like you. God doesn't love those type of people. You're going to die and just kill yourself now. You might as well do it now. And I, used to, I remember I went home. I was in the bus. And I was drowning in a pit. It's probably the worst feeling a human being can have when you're surrounded, but you're completely alone. There's hundreds of people around you, but nobody knows what you're really going through. Because it's the lies is the devil. I need to expose that liar. Because he's coming against you with lies and telling you that you're worthless. He's telling you you're never going to make it. He's a liar. Sometimes he'll speak through people. And most of the time he speaks to you. Right there. And you can't, as much as you want to hear God, all you hear is the darkness. But I'm telling you, those that persevere until the end, they will obtain the crown of life. You have to persevere. I don't care how much darkness I'm going through. I don't care how much death is coming against me. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He said he won't leave me. He said he won't forsake me. 
This is how you fight. This is how you persevere. I feel like dying, but I'm going to live another day. I feel like taking my life, but I didn't give me my life. He gave me my life. And the only one I'm giving my life to is the Lord. He is the only one that can take my life. The devil wants you dead. He puts those thoughts because he wants you dead. He doesn't want you sharing your story because your story is power. Your story is deliverance. Your story is freedom. And I remember that Sunday, I went home from the dorms. And that Sunday, I don't know what happened. I could get dressed and go to church. Because for a whole year, I used to get dressed and walk to the door. And I used to cry at the door because I could not leave my house. Let me tell you, my friend was a witch. And I would get dressed and I used to cry. I'm like, but why can't I go to church? I want to go to church. And I used to stand at the door wanting to go to church. And something helped me in that place. And then I'll run into my room and say, why can I sing no more? Why can I live a good life no more? And it's because I had been enslaved and I didn't know it because my eyes couldn't see spirit. And I found myself doing the things that I know broke my heart. Because after every hookup, go clean yourself. And don't ever call me back again. You want to talk about a broken heart? How about churches that said... Oh, yeah, give that to, come. We like your anointing, but don't give your story. Liars. If you go to a church and they tell you, use your anointing, but don't give your testimony, do me a favor and do yourself a favor and walk out. Say, no, thanks. You're trying to use me. You're trying to prostitute the anointing. I have glory because of my story. My story reveals the glory of God. And if you have a problem with my story, goodbye. Go to another church. Go to another minister. But my story is my story. And whoever, you know who has a problem with my story? Satan has a problem with my story. So if anybody comes up to me and tells me I have a problem with your story, I'm going to say, Satan has a, a problem with my story. And I rebuke Satan now. This is how. It sounds powerful, right? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. You know who are the kingdom of heaven? You are the kingdom of heaven. And you're suffering violence. And God needs the warriors to arise. King, king, get up, warriors. And the way that you fight is with your story. The way that you fight is when you tell the world that God has been good to you. When you tell the world how he's met you, how he's healed you, how he's restored you, you are rising up. King, king. We're not going to be silent. Because the enemy wants to silence. We are not slaves. We are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people acquired by God. Chosen to announce the virtues of the one who's brought us from darkness into marvelous light. That's who we are. This is why we testify. We expose the lies of the enemy. And we also expose the glory of God. Is a double-edged sword. It cuts one way, but it heals the other. I'm telling you, for the enemy's destruction, but for God is healing. That's just the way it is. This is my story, and I'm only giving you the worst so far. I'm about to give you the best, so unbuckle. I don't want you to hold on to the roller coaster. I want you to fly out of it. <laughs> I want you to bounce in some glory clouds and be like, oh, wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I went to church that day. And as I said, I'm telling you, I believe in the darkness. I don't entertain the darkness. I am enemy of the darkness. But you know what's the best way to fight darkness with light? It's light. Oh, but you speak so much peace. You didn't even correct those people. I don't need to correct them. I need to command blessing and wholeness upon their lives. Why keep telling people how bad they are? They already know how bad they are. They're looking to hear good news. They want to hear good news. Let me tell you who you are. Because you're so precious. I'm telling you, you're hidden in the palm of his hand. You're like a pearl. And it's okay that the process seems dark. It's okay. 
I'm going to expose you to light. <laughs> he's opening the shell, and he's showing how beautiful the pearl is. So it's okay that the process is dark, and it's lonely. It's okay. You're still like this. But he's exposing you, and he's going to reveal your worth. You don't have to settle for less. You don't, because you're not less. You're most. So settle for the most. You have permission to settle for the most. It's who you are. You're the most. <laughs> You're the most precious of them all. So settle for the most. It seems painful to let go of little. But greater is coming. So it's okay to fly. It's okay to open your arms and receive. Because that's who you are. The most. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I love when I see story time. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden I'm in church and then a book opens up. And I'm like, ooh, beautiful story. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus. And I went to church that day. Let me tell you, I was bound. And the people around me were bound. Some people in that church were bound. I, get, I mean, I was a teenager, right? I'm walking into church. I'm chewing some gum. So instead of and this was my old church that I left a year prior. So instead of saying, hey, brother, we're so glad that you're back, he brought a napkin, right? The usher brought a banquet, and he, go, he brought a napkin. He goes, spit it here. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? The gum. Spit it out. Fold it. Oh, by the way, it's good to see you. And walked away. And I was like, I was about to walk out, but don't walk out. Don't walk out because my blessing was about to happen. But I almost walked out. Then this preacher from Puerto Rico goes up there. He's preaching. He doesn't know my story. So I want to pray for you. And I went up to get up. This is when I really found out my friend was a witch. I'm afraid, okay, you're going to pray for me. The Lord wants me to pray for you. I come over here. As soon as I got up, I went... Something slammed me into the chair. My behind got stuck to the pew. Suction cupped. Hey, everybody in the church, start praying. Because the devil's telling you to kill yourself. The devil's telling you you're going to end your life. The devil's telling you God could never love or use someone like you. But God says, come up. I want to pray for you right now. And I'm like, I couldn't get up. My behind was stuck to the seat. And I'm like, oh my God, this is real. Oh. I'm trying to go up. I want to go up. Something's holding me. We'll come and pray for you. And God is looking for a church that is going to say, we'll come and pray for you. Too many churches are saying, oh, there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest. Liars. Stop lying. The harvest doesn't have feet to walk. The harvest is coming if you're going to go get it. So stop prophesying in churches that there's a harvest of salvation coming when the laborers are not working. It will be contrary to the word of God. Why will God bring a harvest to a lazy people? Well, Abraham goes there, let's go. Because the army is arising. There's an army taking its place and it looks like a people that were not his people. And the ones that were originally not invited are now invited. Read Romans chapter 9 and you'll find out. And the ones that were not his beloved are becoming his beloved. So take your place. And let's fight the lies. There is a harvest coming because the church is going. The only way a harvest will come is if the church goes. Arise and shine, for the Spirit of the Lord has been risen upon you. Whom will go? Whom shall I send? Why would Jesus ask this question? Why would God ask Isaiah this question if the harvest was coming? If the harvest had feet to walk itself into the church, if the slaves can freely come into the church, then why would God be looking for a people to go? Why would God be looking for witnesses if it wasn't necessary? 
See, the, the bound are bound. The slaves are enslaved. And the ones in prison are imprisoned. But he's called you to break the chains of the slaves. He called you to make, knock down the gates of hell. For the gates of hell should not prevail against the church of Christ. The church is coming out. So the slaves can come out. So the bound can come out. So the sick can come out. We're only following the example of Jesus. But that man came. Even though all the, the other guy, the usher, almost made me, ushered me out of church. But the prophet came. And he laid hands on me. And two other people came and they started rebuking. And I'm telling you, they were pulling me. And they couldn't get me out of the chair. And I'm scared. I was so afraid. You know, he's telling you to kill yourself. Get out of here. And I'm like, I'm trying. I can't get up. Something's holding me. And then he finally, something released me. And they walked me down the aisle to the altar. He says, the devil's been telling you to kill yourself. The devil's been telling you that your life will never change. And then he goes, I didn't know people could see in the spirit back then. So it was very, probably I could, maybe when people watch me minister, I could see their eyes like, what is he looking at? Right? And I remember when that man did that. And I was like, what's happening? I'm scared. Because he goes, as a matter of fact, he's before the throne of God right now. Asking for your head on a plate. And he's going like this. And I'm looking, all I see is a ceiling. I'm like, what is this man seeing? I'm scared. He's asking for your head on a plate. He's before the throne of God right now. And I'm like, oh, my God. What have I done? You want to talk about scared? I was so scared. You don't even realize how scared I was. I was 19 years old, suicidal, thought I had HIV. My life is at the end. And now this prophet is saying that the devil is asking for my head on a plate. Off with his head. And I'm like, God have mercy. I said, God have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. I was crying on that altar. And then that man, he was like this. And then he looked at me that way. He goes, God said no. And I went, oh, oh, doom, dropped to the floor. God says he's called you as a prophet to the nations. God said he's opened up a door. Now run through that door. Leave and don't come back. Man, I jumped. I was like, I'm out. I literally ran. I got my check. I looked at my family. I'm moving to Florida. They're like, wait, going to Florida for what? What do you mean? God said, go. I was 19 going on 20. I got the check. I got the money. I'm leaving. I don't know where I'm doing. I don't know really where I'm going. But I'm believing God. Four days later, my friend that dumped me, and she wasn't my friend no more like a month before, calls me. I need to see you. You don't need to see me. You told me to choose Jesus and you, between Jesus and you. I chose Jesus. So you don't need to, I need to see you. She said, just get in my car. We're going to go around the block one time. I'm like, mm-mm. This sounds like death right here. <laughs> oh, it's going to be quick. Just get in my car. We're going to, uh-uh. That wanted to kill me before I enter my destiny. The devil wanted to kill me before I met you. Before I met you and before I met you. You think he wanted us to meet? He didn't want you to meet me. Because you're going into your destiny. You and you are going to your destiny. And you, you're over here like, oh my God, this story is powerful. I can't wait till you release yours. Because I feel like your story is more powerful. Okay? Because we're going from glory to glory. This is a new generation. There's stories and treasures right here. And if you were to speak, if you were to testify, you have no idea how many people are going to get set free if you open your mouth. You have no idea how many people. You have no idea what God's going to do in your life. She wanted to kill me. I said, I'm not going nowhere. You can meet me at the stoop. She came up the stoop. She starts going to Frankie stand right here real quick. She had a cap on her head. I didn't see her face. At them. Look at them. So she comes this way. Still remember vividly, she was like, and she starts poking me and pinching me, and I was like, "What are you? You freaking me out!" She goes, "It looks like this Jesus stuff is working with you, but I don't like it. You look healthy, 
and I don't like it. You look like you're transforming, and I don't like it. Thank you. And I'm like, you are freaking me out. I'm going upstairs. So I go upstairs. She comes. She goes, so you're leaving. I said, I'm leaving. Then she says some crazy stuff. She said, well, you make sure if you leave, you don't come back. Oh, no, no, I don't want to come back. I thought I was having a normal conversation. You ever had a thought you were having a normal conversation, but you were speaking to a demon the whole time? You know, like when Peter was like, Jesus, don't let them sacrifice you. Get away from me, Satan. Trying to stop me from my purpose. See, and Satan wasn't trying to stop me from leaving New Jersey. He was stopping me from going back. So he says, don't you ever come back to New Jersey. No, I don't, I don't want to go to New Jersey. I'm leaving to Florida. I'm, I, I'm done. I want to go. I want to go live a new life. I know God's going to change my life. This is how I was talking to her. I didn't even realize she was possessed by the devil. I'm like, no, no, God's going to change my life. She goes, you know, it's going to be like the days of Noah. It's going to be like the days of apocalypse. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the demons are going to be unleashed upon the face of the earth. And when God closes the door, you better not open that door. I'm like, I don't know what door you're talking about, but I'm not coming back. I'm going to Florida. God's going to give me a new life. She goes, they're going to be unleashed. And even if your mother and your father start banging on the door, don't you open the door. I was like, I'm not going to open the door. I don't know what door you're talking about, but I'm not going to open the door. Because she goes, even if it's me and I'm begging you to open up the door because the demons are tearing me apart, don't open the door. I'm like, I'm not going to open the door. Because if you open the door, that's when she grabbed this arm. She starts scratching my arm. She goes, I will grab, if you open the door, I'll grab you and I'll drag you to hell with me and you'll burn with me in eternities of eternity. I was like, Ngh! like super soprano pitch right there. Like, like I was freaked out. I couldn't even believe that was happening. I got out of the bed. I was like, no, I'm not coming back. I'm not opening no doors. She walks this way. And she goes, you make sure you never come back to New Jersey. Because I went to God's throne and asked for your head on a plate, and he didn't give it to me. But if you come back to Jersey, I'm coming for you. I was like, I'm never, ever, 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 ever coming back to New Jersey. Packed my bags. I heard a voice that said, say goodbye because you're not going to see her in a really long time. I said, bleep, bleep, I love you. I didn't bleep, bleep, I mean bleep, bleep because I'm not going to say her name. Um, and she turned back and she go, gave me the finger and go, bleep, 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 bleep. And left. I went to my mom's room. Mom's like, Mommy, open the door. She's like, Go to sleep because I know the devil himself came to visit you tonight. That literally happened. I moved to Florida. Then I see your church on TV. I go to that church. Um, it was the, the um, a revival that was in USF back then with Ronnie Howard Brown. Yeah, I don't mention his name because no credit to him or glory to God. But I went in this, never been to a Caucasian church. I'm a ghetto Puerto Rican coming from ghetto Newark, New Jersey, where I was only surrounded by Hispanics and black. They, my church used to tell me, don't you ever go to a white church because God is not in the white church. So I was like, oh, my God, I cannot go to a white people church because God's not in the white people church. That's literally what they infiltrated in our mind. For real. So when I see this commercial on TV, I just moved to Florida, and I, I saw preacher moving people falling on the ground people laughing i'm like oh, i need to go there that's the man that's gonna tell me god hates me because i still have the complex god hates me and then i'm gonna kill myself so i told my roommate i said hey there's a church that popped up on tv i don't know because i'm new here so we waited a few days and then it popped up again i was like that's the church i need to go there that man is the one that's gonna tell me god hates me and i'm gonna kill myself so we went it was at the sun dome usf we go in, all oh, these happy people. Oh, my God, we're so weird. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but I caught it. <laughs> I caught the joy they had. <laughs> and I didn't even know I caught it. But I walked in, I was like, they're like, welcome to our church. It felt like Disney or something. I was just like, I mean, my church was like this. How are you doing? Victory. We're in victory. Praise be the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. We were like. The Lord sounds scary, guys. Oh, we, we, you know, he comforts you with his staff and his rod. That's what they say. He knocks you in the head with it. I'm like, how is that comforting? I don't know. 
but don't move. Don't get out of line. Drill sergeant. Jesus is the drill sergeant, and we're the army of the Lord. <laughs> this is how it was. And then all these happy people are like, celebrate. Literally, they were singing this song, I remember. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. And they're all like dancing up and down the aisles, and I'm like, what an insult to the house of God. Disrespect all these people laughing. Who goes to church and laugh? People with the joy. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> that was an easy question. And I'm there like this. And I remember I said, God, thank you for letting me be in your house. But you don't see me. Look at all these good people here. I literally told God that. Now, preacher comes out. People are falling all over the place. He stops the music, goes up the aisle that way, that way. I was probably like in this area here somewhere, but it's super huge. Right? It's like 2,000 people. And then he walks this way about here. He goes, you, come here. Not you, you. You know I'm talking to you. So I went up. And I'm like, okay. It was in the middle of the aisle. It wasn't in the altar. It was like literally a few seats from mine. And I'm like. And he goes. And I'm telling you, it was God. Because he says, why do you say I don't see you? You don't know how glad I am that you're in my house. I waited a year for you to come home. Doesn't it sound like the words of the father to the prodigal child? Yeah. Uh, and he goes, and you feel death inside of you. You feel like you're going to die. But I tell you this. Satan can touch your body, but he cannot touch your soul. And as a matter of fact, he cannot even touch your body because I called you as a prophet to the nations. Push, smashed out. Get him up. Get him up. They picked me up. I'm like, <laughs> and he put his hands. I'll do it with Frankie. He put his hands on my face like this. And he looked. He looked right in my soul. He looked right in my soul. And he said, and I love you. And I just wept. And I fell back. And that day, it was August of 1998, that God told me he loved me. And I just melted. I'm you, I just, I was just like, I was like, he loves me. They told me he didn't love me, but he loves me. He loves me. It didn't take theology. It didn't take law. Theology and law, philosophy and teachings were destroying me. It took love. It took a man of God. It took a prophet of God to say, look at me. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Look at me. He loves you. He really does. He loves you. <laughs> he loves you. <laughs> There's not even the word. It's just like. <laughs> I, I never I never knew that that 19 20 year old that that was gonna die was gonna have access to this goodness and God bought me from a land so far away with my family my friends and nobody understood me and look around the room I have a beautiful family I have a church that's colorful a church that loves to worship and dance, that loves paintings. God's brought a creative people that was rejected from different places. So you could too be free. So you could too be free, if that even makes sense. Or so you too could be free. It don't matter. You got it, right? <laughs> it's called drunk language. <laughs> and that's still the worst. I even haven't gotten to the good. Yes, but I'm releasing the good. I cannot start the story with the bad. I got to go right into the good. I'll go briefly. <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. But they told me to testify. I'm a bad example. <laughs> or the back is Look, I, I'm presenting heaven here, bro. 
I'm not even just presenting a testimony. I'm presenting glory. So January 7, 2011, I'm home after religion, after Bible school. I end up backsliding, walking away from the church because there was no way I was going to present a gospel like the gospel that was presented to me in Bible school. I was not going to represent the churches that were presented. So I said, forget it. This is trash. This is not going to work for me. And I walked away. I didn't want to be part of a racist church. I didn't want to be part of a political church. And I walked away from it all. And not one of them came looking for me because I knew scripture. You better go to church. And I remember telling them to their faces, you telling me to go to church? At least I know why I don't go. You don't even know why you go. Oh, I was that third. I became that person. I will eat you up. Oh, you think you know Bible verses? The Bible said, look how beautiful it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in harmony and in peace. For there lies salvation and blessing. Your church is corrupted. Your leaders are slandering each other. The sheep are attacking each other. The blessing of God is not commanded in that place. So I will not go to your church. Oh, what? You're mad because I exposed you? There's more sin in the altar than there's sin in the streets. But yet you use the altar to bash the people that are sinning. Oh yeah, we can't talk to you. That's right, you can't. So I said, I'm never going to go to church. If God wants me to go to church, then Jesus himself will have to come for me. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> I didn't know that there was a date on Jesus' calendar titled January 7, 2011. I didn't know he had a book in eternity titled that. I had a dream, and in the dream he says, when you come back. I'm in the world. I'm living my sinful life. I'm like, I'm done with church. And Jesus keeps coming into my dreams. Hey, when you come back, you're not going to start over. You're going to continue where you left off. I said I'm never going back. I am the Lord. And I said, when you come back, you will not start over. But you will continue where you left off. And I'll wake up from that, what I call nightmare. No, why would God call me back to religion? God wasn't calling me back to religion. God was calling me back to the bride. God was calling me back to church. God wanted to heal my broken heart and reveal to me what real church looks like. Now the good begins. <laughs> Embraced by his love. So January 7, 2011, I'm packing some boxes. Jesus appears. No, go back. Jesus appears. And he literally wants to hug me. And I tell him, I'm, I'm unfaithful. I'm in sin. I'm a failure. Not like this. And the Lord says, yes, like this. This is how I want you. So I finally gave up. And he held me. And then all of a sudden, he spread his wings. Wings. <laughs> and I never knew that he had wings. And he covered me. He said, under my wings, I'll comfort you. Under my wings, I'll shelter you. With my feathers, I will comfort you. I never knew that scripture was spirit literal. I didn't know that, I didn't know that what was written there was real in another dimension. We wish we could see these things, but you don't see these things with carnal eyes. You don't see these things with physical eyes. You see these things in the spirit. And as he was hugging me, he like took me up on a pillar of fire. <laughs> you see, these were all, if you look at the dates, they're all around the same date when the experience happened. And he took me off this pillar of fire. In the flames of fire, I could see my life. And I saw that in every moment that my life seemed empty, all of a sudden I was looking through the fire and I saw that Jesus was there. Like if you were to see with the spirit, your legs are not on that chair, your legs are over his lap. And Jesus is next to every single one of you, hugging and embracing every single one of you. In the spirit, in the natural, we can't see it. Because here we need to have faith that he is who he says he is. As he took me up, I went to this blue place. I was walking to this blue place, and then I encounter the lion of fire. So the lion pounced me, and then he caressed me. And I was consumed with the fire of God. And I'm giving you the brief version. This is a brief one. And then the lion took me to this giant pearl. Thing. <laughs> and it was the pearl. And, but it was just two giant pearls that I saw. All of a sudden, the pearl opens up. And it was my, my mom's mom 
dressed in glory, face was shining, white hair. And she says, Abraham, come enter and see. And I was like, I know you. You're mommy's mom. I couldn't tell by physical features that it was her. I just knew. And then the light went up like that, and I could see her smile. And then it went back down. And I knew it was her, so I went in. And I got to go in through, through the gates. As I'm going in through the gates, bling. You see, this was like what it looks like, the city of God. With the mighty, this is the mighty mountain of the Lord. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And from the city, then the rivers flow out. So he's sending the rivers from his throne, from his place, down to us. And then from us, it flows out to all the other people. And we're welcomed them in. Think next. We're welcomed them in. We welcome them in into the kingdom. When you go into the throne room, the throne, the fire, the living creatures, the rainbow, bling. See, the city of God again. See, this was my first one, right? Because I used to cry. When God took me to heaven, he says, you're going to draw. I was like, I don't know how to draw. He's like, draw, I'm going to teach you. So he, he, this was my first one. And then can you go back to the other one with the waterfall? You see, 2011, and then this was 2018. Did I get better? Did God keep his word? And then go to the one with the, with the, um, with the painting. And then this was um, 2019. You see? And then the one with the open pearl, which was my most recent one. And then this one was um, 2020, right? But it's almost like what used to seem distant years ago. And far away, he's getting closer and closer and closer so I could see the details, so I could understand the colors. He took my life that was black and white. And look at this place. Tell me it's not full of color. Tell me the streamers and the balloons don't match the precious stones that are the foundation. This is the city. Then you go that way. The bride and the bridegroom are watching us this way. It's really just the kingdom around us. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it goes connected. Trust me. I know. I see it with you. I see it with you. <laughs> Go to the next one. The next. And then I was, um, no, where's the one with the, at the top? I think you're at the bottom. This one. When I went through the pearl, I saw the Lord, and I saw him like that, really mighty, shining. It was different. He didn't have color. He was all light. I just made it this way because I didn't know how to do art. I couldn't color just with yellow. You know, it's just like, how do you make it pop? Um, and the Lord told me, you're going to draw. I'm going to teach you the colors. Now click on the other one that's the painting of this. But you see how the Lord taught me to paint and how the Lord taught me to change things? The very kid that was suicidal, the very kid that was depressed, the very kid that thought he had HIV, the very kid that was going to end his life now gets to just simply draw pictures of heaven, gets to read the Bible. And enjoy the presence of God. He gets to enjoy the love of God. I had to release my testimony. I had to stop being afraid of what people were going to think about me. Because for too long I was encountering the glory of God. You see, God didn't only deliver me from, from sin. He delivered me from religion. He delivered me from tradition and the cultures and ways of man. For being so concerned with the opinions of man that I myself couldn't be free. I was, I was sinful in sexual immorality, but I was also sinful in the opinions of man because neither were allowing me to be free. Addiction wasn't allowing me to be free. The only one that allowed me to be free was my king. And then I got to sit at his feet. What's the one that I was sitting at his feet? You see? I know it sounds wild, but one day you'll be there. You're going to be like, my goodness. He was showing us his photo album this whole time. You'll see. I, it sounds wild. But it's, it's, it's my place. It's the place that I long for. And you know what's the best amazing part? And you can go to the last one. No, the last one where Jesus laid. That every single one of you is there as well. I've already seen you. You're going to make it. You're there. <laughs> Look around. You know where you're at. <laughs> and we're, we're ever, forever going to be with our Lord, with our Savior, with our King. And nothing and no one is ever going to separate us away. But we're all going to get along. 
<laughs> we all love each other. This is a picture of restoration. See, Jesus loves his little children. The little children are the little kids that are running around. The little children are those little kids, but it's also you. See, we make it physical. So when we say, oh, let the children come to me. Oh, Jesus is talking about little kids. No, he's not. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about them, but he's talking about you. So this is the fast version of my testimony, and I hope it blesses you. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you learn how to give your testimony, like, way faster than me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.